Fast, efficient, and affordable business-grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates, and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting, amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today, or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, in the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Episode 779 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. It's been a couple of weeks. Been a couple of weeks again. You know what I found out? Well, I'll say first, been a couple of weeks because my mum passed away and I wasn't up for doing anything. But I did find out that my cousin's son listens to the show every time we do one. <laughs> so, hi. I won't say your name in case you don't want people to know, but... Thanks for tuning in. No, it's his fault for listening. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know one person's listening. Well, I actually just discovered the other day too that my sister usually listens to him as well. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we better better say nice things about her now instead. I usually do anyway. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, yeah, you had you had that, and then the next week was a bit rough because you had all your family and friends and stuff around, and yeah. Yep. And I wasn't feeling it that week. I'd just got back out of hospital again. So. Oh, jeez, dude. Well, my, uh, my blood pressure medication, everything all stopped working, and so that was fun. Ugh. So, got they on top of that again. a shiny new one? Hey, yeah, got on top of that, and under the beta blockers now, so that's making a huge difference. Wow, that's good. Yeah, I feel I've, I haven't, I've feel 10 years younger, like it's amazing the difference it makes. Yeah. So I've just got to. I've I've got to get used to feeling good now. That's <laughs> such a weird sensation. I'm always waiting to f- for something to go wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've just got to get over that and just realise I actually am f- perfectly fine. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so that's been fun. So this is the first show back after a few weeks, and and not that you'd know it because as far as the tech world's concerned, nothing's happened at all in the last. <laughs> few weeks. So, yes. so next um, Friday, I'm going in for first visit with the doctor to discuss about probably upcoming operation for my four hernias. So what are you breeding them or something? Yeah, they'll be zippering me. I had operation in the mid mid to late nineties or mid to mid nineties, I think, and um, fixed up one of them. But now I got four, so they do breed. Hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, you, you don't. No, one is usually enough. You don't generally need more than one. Well, why not get it all out? <laughs> I mean, if you don't do it, do it properly, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, so. started started looking at maybe doing another text adventure game. Got back into that channel and started talking to the guys. I came up with the idea of maybe doing an escape room style one where you get kidnapped and locked in a basement. And you have to try and escape from the house through different various methods. So. We'll see how long my interest goes with that, but I was also looking up um, EVE Online, which I yep. think maybe 10 years ago or something, I had a 14-day yeah. free trial, and it yep. took me that long going through the introduction on how to yeah. play it, and then I was like, well, now I've got to pay. I remember that. Uh, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure I did exactly the same thing. Yep. There was EVE Online, and there was another... Um, uh, role playing, uh, it was, it was sort of like Second Life, but not really. It was another free oh, yeah. thing, and it the same thing. It was a, I think it was a thirty day free trial, and it took you, yeah, like, I don't think I completed the <laughs> the tutorial in the thirty days. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not paying for that. I can't even get through this tutorial. Yeah, and I was also <laughs> looking up, and that sort of that free sieve seems to be coming along still getting updates and stuff, so I might have to I give that a go. Believe. I played that game... Wow. It have to be 15, 20 years ago. Like, it, yeah. Oh, yeah, I just looked up. Initial... Initial... Blah, 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 blah. That's been too long. Initial release <laughs> was uh, January in 96. Wow, there you go. So it probably was 20 plus years ago. I, yeah, it would be because I was in Melbourne in like 2000 or something. I was playing that. So yep. there was uh, Sid Mears, inspired by Sid Mears Civilization, which yep. in itself, Civ 1, 2, 3, I think it was. They were brilliant games as well. Six. There's that many? Okay. Yeah, at least six. Okay. Then he went off and did Space Exploration ones. And all didn't he do. Oh, a war one as well? Battlegrounds or something? Not Battlegrounds, but something like something that style. Like probably. Yeah, I think there was a few of those as well. But we got into City Skylines for a while too. I still play City Skylines, yeah. Yeah, I have to get back into all these I things. play that and I'm playing a lot of um, uh, Father's Frontier at the moment. Oh, I saw you. It comes up on um, Discord. Mm. Will's playing Father's Frontier. What the heck is that? It's a... So... It's a micromanagement game in the same style as SimCity or something like that, but more so. So you start off and you've got X amount of um, pioneers and you're starting your own city. Yep. So you obviously set up your, your main... Um, Does it make it know. difficult for them to hear if they got pie on their ear? <laughs> so you, you start off with your own like center point. Yeah. I can't remember what they call it, but basically... a Central location, yeah. like a hub. Yeah, a meeting hall or something. And then you build houses and you've got to build infrastructure. So you, you've got to space it out because you've got to build your houses, but you've got to leave room for roads and then you've got to leave room for future expansion when you need to have your tree loppers and your people that make firewood and your loggers and yeah. your bricklayers and your masons and your carpenters and your... Reminds um, me of Mine Colonies you know, we played on Minecraft at time. Sort of. Um but it's real because then obviously once you start getting to the point where you put a trading post in, you start getting traders. Well, obviously now you're getting gold, so now the raiders come in because they want the gold. 
um, and you have frosts and crop losses and like it's very micromanaged. Like you have to manage each individual crop field. You have to manage each individual hunter's cottage, each individual sca- um, oh, yeah. scavenger's cottage, each individual fishers, fishing lodge, each, every single – everything you place except the only thing you don't have to manage is the houses. Once you've placed the house down, yeah. they'll populate the house and then once you get far enough through it, they'll upgrade the house automatically. But everything else that you place, whether it's um, whether it's suri- um, like a waste collector to collect to collect from the outhouses, whether it's a, um, a a barn that you put cattle in, like everything you place, you have to micromanage to the nth degree. But then the problem becomes that you also have to keep expanding the city because the city needs to grow. So the city gets bigger and bigger, and the micromanagement of each individual detail gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> And then every time the traders come to the market, you've got to figure out what you're going to put in the market to buy, what you need to sell. So it becomes very intense very quickly. Oh, I was just looking, $42.95. Oh, yeah, it was on sale last week. Ah. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, I should, probably should have told you when it came out, actually, because it was on sale for like 20 bucks for like a month. All right, yep. But yeah, it's still even at that price, it's worth it. Like it, it is compared to some other $40 games I've bought. Um, it's and it it's difficult is entirely up to you like when you start i turn off i turn I, learning to play on the most populated resource intense map because you've got you've got sand clay gold silver tin coal and something else that you have to set mines up for yep um so i start off with the most densely populated map in that regard turn off enemies turn off raiders turn off animal attacks turn off as much as possible do they have like does it natural disasters tornadoes and storms not not in that regard but they have heat waves they have frost they have um turn all that off snowstorms you can't turn those off oh. <laughs> so as i'm saying even on it's easier setting there's still a lot of stuff you can't turn off like plague and um broken bones and all this sort of stuff happens even on the easiest setting right um, the only difference is on the easiest setting they have a higher chance of recovering but it doesn't mean they will so <laughs> the first city i did i didn't realize you could turn off animal attacks and stuff and they're setting up the center the main part and like six of them got eaten by bears before <laughs> that even had that. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> would you like to restart this game <laughs> so it's a fantastic game a lot of fun um but it's I don't. I have to be in the right mindset to play it because it is so micromanaged. You really need to be in a. I love it. Um, obviously, you know, with with having anxiety and having some of the other things um, going on, sometimes my brain just gets overwhelmed by itself, yeah. and I find it fantastic for that because you're so actively micromanaging everything. You don't have time to think about anything else. So it's a really, really good way to um, separate yourself from reality for a couple of hours and just. You know, but uh, you don't want to play when you're half tired because you'll kill half your town before you realize what you've done. <laughs> Whoops. So, but no, when you're saying about your text game, it reminded me of um, Dave's Garage. Is a, a guy on YouTube. He does lots of videos, and he's just bought the uh, what he calls the computer from War Games. Ah, right. The MSI um, eighty eighty. Yep. The the replica of what it looks exactly the same as the computer that's in War Games. 
And because it runs a HTTP server in the back end, you can run DOS and stuff like that. And he was showing you how you can program it because it's only got the ones and zeros with all the different um, toggle switches on the front. Yeah. And he's got it set up so that he can play like Zork on it and oh, all nice. stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. Even the VZ300's got Zork now. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of guys. I don't know how they do it or whatever, but they put onto it. They joined our Facebook group. And they're like, oh, we're just working on Zork for the VZ. And I talked to people who are in the interactive fiction uh, forums and stuff. And they're like, well, the VZ floppy disk is only 78K. Most of the games themselves are 100K. Mm. Even if you you would have to have it like, it's, it's just not possible. And the amount of RAM that's available on the VZ up to 32K RAM, not possible to do it. But these guys, they've split it across two floppy disk images which you can just mount in the emulator. Mount the first one, load it up. It says, okay, now switch over to the second one. So you just switch over to that, hit enter to go on, and it does it. It's got Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Zork, uh, Deadline, Leather Goddess, or Phobos, and all this oh, stuff. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and I'm just like, how are you guys doing this? And they're like, oh, you know, we just do it. I mean, I guess if they're programming like in binary or in like, really really you know obviously the 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 further you tear back all the layers yeah. of programming language them you know but they make it they make it work and everyone's surprised in in the um interactive uh, fiction forums because they're like wow it should not be possible in a vz but i'm like yeah it's there even they um so i said oh i, I did this game arthur's day out for interactive fiction jam competition a couple of years ago cool. could you do that and they're like yep here you go it's done i was like holy crap that was fast it sounds like they've got some sort of yeah some sort of um, chain set up or something but yeah, yeah something in place where it it can strip it right back to its bare maybe they've figured out that it doesn't you don't need you know if you're only loading text you don't need certain parts and certain parameters of, of load commands and stuff yeah because I don't know if there's no there's no real sound in Zork and stuff either. I mean, there's the occasional beep or bleep or whatever. But I'd imagine you could, yeah, if you weren't loading graphics and you weren't needing to keep, you only, you don't need to keep the previous step in memory because you can reload it if you go backwards. So yeah. I guess they're doing a lot of memory. Well, they're memory even saying you know, the original ZX Spectrum and stuff like this can't do it. There's just not enough RAM and not enough disk space on the image. But somehow these guys have wrangled it and... One of, one of the guys who has been involved with the VZ for a long time, he's like, well, now I can finally finish Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy text adventure. Yeah. And it's on a VZ and he did it. He's like, this is great. I finished it on a VZ. Yeah, I mean, a multi, a spanning across multi-disc isn't unheard of for other things, but I think yeah. the VZ, it was a very uncommon process. Nothing ever took up that much space on no. a VZ game. My Commodore 64, <laughs> I remember I had several games that were not only on multiple cassettes but there was multiple discs as well yeah, yeah. um and early pcs but even the early macs i'm yeah most con most whether it be windows on 21 floppies <laughs> windows 95 was um but most other devices had multiple multiple floppies like it wasn't unusual it wasn't unheard of but there were some like the like like the vz and some of the tandy ones and some of the those style ones where yeah having they have it. They stuff just across multiple 
Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it was such an unusual concept, and I don't really understand why because they weren't they weren't that new in terms of that technology to have multiple discs. So yeah, I had I had dual floppy drives plugged into mine. Hmm. I I saw it advertised in a magazine or something, and I phoned up this guy because he wanted to sell his. I was like, I want to buy, I want to have floppy drives. So came with a disc controller. It's got um, connection for two floppy drives, and I bought off him two floppy drives to plug into it and that was the night that i was awake for the whole night with insomnia because i was just so excited to have floppy drives i fell asleep in high school in the maths class or something i had on my um commodore 64 i had two floppies and a tape oh, um, i only had a 1571 i think well i remember on my uh what was that on i want to say it's an apple i want to say like an apple II. It was just a basically a keyboard that slanted back and then it had a flat platform on top and the monitor sat on top and the floppy drives were separate. Yeah, side by side. Um No, they were separate to the unit. They weren't oh, okay. they weren't on the actual Apple itself was just a slanted keyboard with a flat and that flat bit come off to reveal the inside of the machine. Yep. But you sat the monitor on top of that. I, I wanna say it was an Apple II, but it was that long ago, I can't remember. Under T C um, or anything. Yeah, it was a two C or two E or something, um, but it had had the the two floppy drives. But the actual daisy chain cable that went to the floppy drives had eight, oh, right. eight eight um, connectors on it. Yeah. So you could hook. You could have technically hooked up eight floppy drives. Yeah. Which you know, for a not, I don't know what it was, eighties. I'm assuming. Um, oh, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> well. That's what I learned. Like, if you watch this Dave's Garage video, you learn. I didn't realize that they were using those those style machines. They actually had them linked into. They'd have them as like a terminal, and then they were actually linked into like a server with a hard drive. Oh, right. Yeah, all through serial port or parallel port or something. But yeah. it was yeah, they were all actually hooked into a, a big big hard drive. So I say big hard drive, like a five meg hard drive, but it was. Yeah. You know, tw- ten of these device. ten of these terminals were hooked into it. I, it blew my mind that in the seventy five or whenever it was released, that that was even a thought process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's amazing what old technology has been made to do now, as opposed to what it did when it was new technology. That's <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got uh, we got a new expansion pack SD card reader coming from Ben Ven. Um, a lot of people know him. He does a lot of stuff in the retro computer um, forums and stuff, and he's doing a new one for the VZ that expands up the RAM to full plus SD card reader. Plus, this time he's decided to do the um, the ROM that um, it reads from. On the VZ, there's a section of memory for cartridge RAM that only worked for cartridges and there wasn't that many cartridges that used it, but yeah. he's using that um, on the previous one so that when you plug this in, it's got a mini operating system that you type in commands and it knows how to redirect those through this expansion pack SD card reader so it can read off SD. And um, this time it's going to be rewritable before the chip wasn't. So if you wanted to get an update to his ROM program, you had to download it and on mine I had to wire 
a wire from this pin across to there and that across to here so it would make it read right because it was an EEPROM. Yeah. I don't have an EEPROM burner, so yeah. I was a bit out of luck. And I sent it to him. I sent the chip to him to reprogram it with an update. He sent it back but had screwed up where he wrote the information, so it was offset by like 500 bytes. And so when you <laughs> plug it in, nothing happened. It didn't work, and he did a ton of troubleshooting with me back and forth through text messages on Facebook and worked out that he accidentally relocated it up 500 bytes so the computer <laughs> didn't see it. So he's like, well, either you can send it back or if you write a little program in basic, you wire this to here, wire that to there, and now it becomes rewritable. Write a little program to basic to read those bytes and then write them lower. So you chase so, yourself. Yeah. yeah, chase it all the way through and rewrote it and then cross your fingers and reboot and hope that it comes up. And it did. It worked. <laughs> and I was very happy. But now he's got this new one that um, is going to make it rewritable RAM. So anytime there's an update, you can just run an update program, which you store on your SD card. As soon as it boots up, it sees this update program. It'll rewrite and give you a new update with new functions. And then he's like, anybody else after that, even if I never do another program, Anybody who's a programmer can take my source code, add in new features and stuff into it yourself, and then put it on the forum. Everyone can download it and update their um, add-on SD card reader to have new commands and better software and stuff. So, I love how the computer industry is full of oxymorons. Yep. Like an EEPROM is an erasable, programmable, read-only memory. Read-only. <laughs> in much the same way that uh, uh, DVD... ROM, yeah, you know, or a, a DVD a RAM, is, yeah, a, a re a re rewritable DVD ROM yeah. was a rewritable read only memory. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hang on, if it's read only, how you can you write to it? That doesn't make sense. It's um, yeah, I like on the Australian Vintage Computers Forum on Facebook. There's a big push at the moment. A lot of people are uh, getting old two eight sixes, three eight sixes, four eight sixes. And ID hard drives obviously haven't been made forever and they're starting to get flaky. Yep. So people are putting them in for the, the looks, but they're all running um, ISA um, compact flash to IDE adapters now. All right. Yep. And they're using compact flash cards um, as their hard drive now. <laughs> nice. Because it's, yeah, because the old spinning disks are getting so unreliable and getting so hard to get. Yep. Um, although I still have my 50 meg quantum. Oh, right. From my first ever. 386 computer that i had is as big as your house um no no it's a it's standard format standard format three and a half um oh not even a bigfoot no it's not no no this is pre-bigfoot yeah this is a 50 meg quantum this is ancient it's um and it still boots up and it still loads into dr dos They used to run on my compact, my compact three eight six mail server from back in the day. Wow, it's amazing. It's just, it's been with me everywhere. It's just been chucked in a bag and bounced around and left and dropped still and on. yeah, and it still boots up and it still does everything it's supposed to do. It's just a fantastic little drive. But for nice. the, that was before glass platters. That was back when they were metal platters. See, they last long. Yeah, yeah. So. Any other good news? I finally got Dad upgraded with mobile phone from an LG Leon to one of the um, Xiaomi Redmi Notes that uh, you've got there. These ones? Yep. 
yep. same as that. I was just looking up the one that he went from, I'd originally bought for my daughter and then I upgraded her. He's been using it since then, but the LG Leon was released in 2015. And it's a four and a half inch phone, so tiny as, and his eyes are not that great reading <laughs> stuff as it is. So um, resolution 480 by 854 pixels <laughs> and Android 5. Nice. Now he's running Android 12 and he's like, how do I answer a phone call? <laughs> it would come up on Android 5 with a little green tick and you just click on that. But yeah. now you have to slide up and if you don't want it, you slide down. He's like, I missed, well, you can change that. I missed three calls this morning because I didn't know how to answer them. I said, see right down the bottom here where it says swipe up to answer. I can't read that. That's too <laughs> like, well, next time, see, yeah. here, I'll ring you. So I rang him from my phone. I said, put your finger on that and slide it up and you can answer. Oh, you, okay. You can change it to any button answer. Oh, okay. So you just literally either tap the screen or press any of the buttons on the side and it'll it'll answer yeah. it as well. Yeah. <clears throat> So. He was like, I'll just press the button on. I said, well, that'll turn it off. It hangs up the call with this current setup. <laughs> yeah. Probably don't want to do that. Yeah, no, they're very customizable because they run their own, they run their, they run their own uh, MUI or whatever it is, MUAI or something over top of it. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of customability and flexibility in there. And both him and my daughter have got the storage water. Yeah. Where you can wobble around. Yeah. I was so glad I got to keep that. She's got a Xiaomi, but hers is just a Red Red Nine or something. It's not a Note, but which it's is fine. The, thing. the only difference is the screen's slightly bigger on the Note. So it's a six and a half inch screen versus like a five point nine or something. Like yeah, that's why I wanted that, to get him the bigger one, particularly yeah. for his old eyes. Not that's the main reason I have it. That when you're reading stuff on it on a web page, it's just a you know easier or and it's a better format for videos when you've got it. Um, when you got it in, in landscape mode because it's a true 16 by 9 whereas the other one's like 21 by 11 or something like oh, it's not right. quite the right aspect ratio so and that was the problem with the the uh mix fold 2 yeah if you're using the screen folded out it's almost square so you have aspect ratio issues if you oh. If you're just watching videos on it, um, yeah. but you can split video on top half and web browse on the bottom half or whatever, and that fixes that problem. But cool, it um it's been voted very very high as probably the best folding phone this year. Wow, um, it's and not as expensive as the Samsung. No, it's not as expensive. It's more powerful. Got a bigger battery. Um, Works. Bigger camera. Uh, it's thinner. It's physically thinner. It's nearly half the half thickness. Um, it, it still has the same kind of weird things that you're going to get with a flip phone. Like it's got three different cameras on it because to take selfies or to open it up with a <laughs> selfie or to use the main camera, like they're all different things. Yeah. Um, and the main front, like if you've got it flipped open, it's only a four meg camera or something. It's only really for like you know video conferencing somebody yeah. um but yeah the it's it's the hinge is very durable apparently it's they've figured out a way to take that really bulky um sort of lip that the samsung's got and they figured out how to flatten that down so they don't have that problem oh no 
Um, and it's the screen is to the edge all the way around. Um, you know, it's quite a powerful. It's got the normal octa-core processors and stuff in it. And um, the screen is really bright, apparently, much brighter than the Samsung. I was, I was watching a couple of videos on people reviewing them and yeah. they pretty much, they say, yeah, okay, they've all got their faults to some degree. Um, but for the most part, they all agree that the, the Xiaomi is the best the best one that does the job the best might have to be my future phone yeah well this is my second one and i know a few people that have got them now um the only issue only complaint i ever had with the other one i had was it didn't have nfc right um and now the new ones do so well you still be careful because you can get them without nfc they still don't all have it yeah you got to make sure you order the right one because yeah not all of them have nfc um if you want that Yep. It is a little bit dear. It's like 20 bucks dearer to get the one with the NFC as opposed to the one without it. But uh, If you're techie like us, you want it. Well, I want it because I've got a 3D printer. I've got a um, DaVinci. Yep. And they use encoded spools so that they you have to buy their own spool so that they only give you 100 meters on a roll and the chips count down on the NFC part of the spool. <laughs> right. But if you've got an NFC ready, you can reset the spool so you can use your own your own <laughs> rolls on them. That's the only reason I wanted it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, it's good to be able to tap and go stuff, but I could do that on my on my watch, so it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, which is a Xiaomi watch to go with my Xiaomi scales I've got. Since, since you're talking about Xiaomi watches, I was looking forward. They have now they've got preview advertising the Google Pixel Watch first one. Yeah. Now they've purchased uh, Fitbit and it's going to have all the Fitbit stuff in there, but it's yeah. going to be a, a round watch instead of the squarish ones that we've got already. Well, which... the Xiaomi's round. Yeah. Battery life is going to be like 23 hours, apparently. So like the iWatch? The iWatches are like 18. Mm. This one I charge about every three days, which is the... Minimum, I will accept. I will not accept 23 this hours. This one is, depending on how many sensors you've got turned on and how quickly you've got the profile set to, I have this on its highest setting. Yep. Um, just because. Uh, and it's four to five days. Yep. If I put it on its lowest monitoring settings and turn off GPS location and do that, you know, all that sort of stuff, it's like 21 days. Yeah. <laughs> why, so, why is the new... I was so excited. I'm like, Google's... <laughs> Google's got to do Pixel Watch right. They've got all the experience from Android Watch, Android OS for so long. They've got Fitbit experience now. It's going to be a fantastic, amazing watch. And I'm like, I might as well just stick with this one forever. Yeah. I, I don't I don't see any reason to update now. And the other cool part about this one is it charges on its own dock, but it'll charge off any NFC. All right. So I can charge it off my phone if I need to. Yep. Or if not an NFC, off um, key charging. Key charge, yeah. So I can charge it off my phone. If my watch ever goes flat, I can charge it off my phone. And because the battery is so tiny, it only takes like 20 minutes. <laughs> nice. Like if I, even if the battery's run right down, I put it on the charging stand and I go and have a shower and come back, it's done. It's done. So why are these really big companies <laughs> just unable to do the same thing as Xiaomi does? And charge $150 for the privilege. Yeah, instead of 500 or something. 
you know, okay. it's it's ridiculous. Okay. Um, I, you know, I I have had I I can't ever see myself going back to a Samsung or something now. Like it just doesn't make sense yeah. to me anymore. So many people have been complaining about the Pixel Six phones as well. I got one. Mm. The fingerprint reader through the front screen works maybe three out of ten times. A lot of the time it just says, you're going to have to draw the pattern. I'm like, I've recorded my one thumb four different times. There's four different fingerprints. Mm. And still probably five to seven times out of ten, I still have to draw the pattern on the screen as well. Because it's like... I don't recognize that thumb. I'm like, you've got four times I've sampled it yeah. every different direction, up, down, left, right. and. So the previous Xiaomi had, no, it's blue, so I probably won't show. The previous Xiaomi had the, the finger scanner because the camera was centered yep. and the finger scanner was on the back of the camera, which when you're holding your phone, that's just where your hand sits. This one actually has it on the power button, which is on the side of the phone, and it's recessed. So you can literally only put your finger in one spot when you when you do it because it's where the phone sits in your hand. Anyway, so you're going to press the exact same spot every time you do it. That's great. Although I was reading, apparently in the US, Apple owned the right to the patent for that. And a lot um, of the phones, like that one, have to disable the fingerprint reader and the power button in the US only because Apple have got the patent rights to it. Yeah, it's disabled, but you go into security settings, you just re-enable it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's only, <laughs> it's it only turned off by default. It's <laughs> programmed in the operating system or something, completely disable it. No, because the other way around that, um, there is a couple of things that they have in the US that are disabled, but it comes with US-shipped firmware. Yeah. If you go to the Xiaomi website and you click on international version for your phone, it bypasses all that because it reflashes it as international version. So, yes, technically it's disabled, but only so far as it's a 10-minute fix. <laughs> but remember, it was the same thing back in the day when DSLRs could suddenly record video. They were limited to like four minutes in length or something because America said that's as much as you could record. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then the cameras could record, you know, as long as they wanted to. But they're only allowed to record for like four minutes or something. I can't remember the exact length. It wasn't real long. Yeah. And then there's all these manufacturers release bug firmware fixes <laughs> and suddenly they're unlimited recording length. <laughs> and the US kind of gave up on it after that. They're like, oh, okay. It's ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it? So, yeah. Well, I suppose we should do some news stories. Oh, why well, start now? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you start. Don't you start with me. NBN Co. is considering taking a model it uses to support the most remote indigenous communities and repurposing it to support disadvantaged urban families. From opposition, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese promised support for around 30,000 families who have no broadband. Answering a question during yesterday's Aconnect 2022 conference, NBN Co.'s General Manager of Segments and Stakeholder Relations, Sam DeMarco, said NBN Co. is working with the government on how to deliver on that promise. DeMarco said NBN Co. is considering using Wi-Fi as a retail distribution medium. Its network would provide fibre to medium or high-density public housing and a retail partner would offer free or subsidised connections via Wi-Fi access. 
It's a model similar to one NBN Co uses the most remote indigenous communities with SkyMuster delivering the NBN service and Wi-Fi delivering user connectivity. That model has connected 94 remote communities so far, DeMarco said. An NBN spokesman confirmed that discussions with the government are underway, adding that the nascent program was mentioned in its 2023-26 statement of corporate intent released at the end of August. In line with government policy and strategic objectives, the company will focus particularly on helping connect more seniors, low-income customers and remote First Nations people, the statement said. The company will also support the government's commitment to provide free internet access for up to 12 months for school children living in households that do not currently have broadband connections. Yeah, so just going to overload the network towers again. <laughs> yep, good job. Don't fix the problem, just put a band-aid on it because nobody will notice. More connections. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. With that. I mean, look at Springfield Lakes, for example. It's one of the largest growing regions in, like, eastern seaboard, you know, all of eastern Australia. Yep. And they don't have NBN. They have something resembling internet occasionally, and most of it's done through the 4G towers in the area. Yep. And it's appalling because they're just overloading the infrastructure. And they're not even, like, remote in the slightest or no. anything. <laughs> In the, you know, half an hour from CBD. Yeah. It's crazy how this happens. Um, I don't know what's going on. But um, speaking of things that are crazy. Me. Well, yeah, I mean, crazy no denying that. But um, some of the biggest tech leaks of all time have resulted in prototypes being left behind in early testers and engineers, whether it's in a bar <laughs> or the backseat of a cab or elsewhere. Forgotten pre-release units are a long-standing backbone of tech journalism. In that tradition, today we got a prototype of Meta's forthcoming MetaQuest Pro headset being shown off after apparently being forgotten in a hotel room. What? They said they were doing a Pro version. <laughs> the leak comes via the Facebook page of some Russian guy who recorded a video. <laughs> it's not. It's Zek. Zlidinovsky. Zek. No, it's not. Zek. Zektarios, it could be Greek, gaming, who recorded a video of himself removing a device from packaging. The account also posted several photos, but they appear to be removed. Um, the abandoned prototype, which was later claimed by its rightful owners, as per The Verge, appears to closely match the Project Cambria headset Meta has been testing in its recent VR Metaverse-related content. Ah. The interior of the device appears to have a halo design similar to the PSVR and PlayStation VR Z VR2, which was suspended display in front of the user's eyes by distributing the weight around the head rather than relying on a goggle-like goggle mounting that snags the head-mounted display against the user's face, um, such as the Quest 1 and 2 did. In addition to the drastically remodeled headset, this included controllers also appear to have undergone a complete overhaul. The new design is slightly more compact, featuring a different button layout and does a better job of hiding uh, whatever LED sensors Meta is using at the time by skipping the Quest 1 and 2's light rings. A new angled flat spot for the user's thumb also appears to have been added, which I'm personally looking forward to testing out. I've never quite found a, com blah, blah, blah. Never quite found a comfortable spot for, the, for that digit to land without accidentally pressing a button on the Quest 2 controller. Finally, a small indentation with what looks like three metallic contacts can be seen on the side of the controller. The pogo pin-like connector could 
um, play home to add-on accessories such as new sensors or controller peripherals. Um, for instance, two a two-handed gun stock that could connect to both controllers at once for a true FPS-like experience, or a fishing rod grip that included a built-in reel that could actually crank. Cool. Third-party accessories have been trying to create products for this years, but have been stymied by lack of first-party support. That might be about to change. It could also. It actually reminds me a lot of the um, three-pin charging dock that my old Xiaomi uh, Fit Watch had. All right. It looks a lot similar to that. With the apparent leak prototype now presumably back in matters hands, we'll have to continue waiting until October to get much more info. In the meantime, it looks like Facebook's new flagship headset will offer some intriguing changes and a slimmer profile when it finally debuts. How to how to sneakily get the word out on a new product yeah. and get people excited about something that they shouldn't know about and it's not officially been released, but because it's never happened before, no, no, nobody's ever done that. Whoops, we accidentally left our Apple iPhone prototype in a bar. How did that happen? Mm. Well, it's interesting because um, ANZ Bank is uh, gearing up for the metaverse. Yeah, I saw that. That's interesting. Yeah, ANZ Bank Services is taking keen interest in the metaverse as a place where some of the bank's customers want to transact in um so it'd be interesting um i mean i guess it you know it kind of makes sense in some regards mm. i mean the more that they talk about this metaverse the more the actual metaverse you know of um neil stevenson comes to mind in in snow crash it's an inevitability mr anderson it, yeah it's really like the more they everyone talks about it and spruce it the more that that snow crash reality sort of becomes um, more and more realistic, which is both cool and also incredibly scary. If you've ever watched, ever <laughs> listened or read Snow Crash, you'll you'll understand that it's not all good comes from it. No. <laughs> so, Zoom video communication said on Monday it has renamed its chat product and added some features, including third-party integration as it looks to compete with rivals including Microsoft's Team and Slack. Zoom's app, now known as Zoom Team Chat, will also include features such as the ability to share in-meeting chat to Team Chat, schedule a meeting from chat or a channel. The features will be released by the end of the month. Zoom was a little-known company when the pandemic hit in early 2020, but posted triple-digit revenue growth at the peak of the crisis as people stuck at home took video conferencing to communicate. The company which competes with WeChat Work, Microsoft Teams, Cisco, WebEx and Slack faces an uphill task of onboarding high-paying clients to sustain its growth at a time when several firms are shifting to hybrid work. Last month, Zoom cut its annual profit and revenue forecast as demand cools off from pandemic, pandemic highs. So they're mm, going I mean, all in. You look at the amount of numbers, though, that use those other platforms, and Zoom really still has the upper hand. Yeah, I'd rather use Zoom than Microsoft Teams, which is now built into Windows 11, and you can't uninstall it even if you don't use it or don't want it. It's just part of Windows now, like they did with bloody IE. Mm. Yeah, which nobody wants to use. No. But it's there. Um. Yeah, look, I think the the thing they've got to watch, though, is they don't do what happened to Skype. 
you know, was leading the leading the competition by miles, and then yeah, ignoring the fact Microsoft bought it, but um, they just they got to a, a point, and that was it. They didn't develop anymore. They didn't do anything. They didn't optimize any more servers. They didn't, and Skype got unusable very quickly. It went from being the best software around to being completely unusable because they just didn't have the infrastructure on the back end. Yeah. Um, that's where things like Google Hangouts and Uvu and all these other ones took over because um, they'd left that opportunity there. These other ones would never have even been heard of had Skype of, you know, we wouldn't be using Zoom now yeah. if if Skype had have done what they should have been doing. Yeah, it's the number um, one. You know, as long as Zoom doesn't fall into that trap and thinking that they've got this and they're good. Um, Don't rest on your laurels, son. It should be fine. You can rest on your laurels if it works perfectly fine. But if there's bugs and issues that need to be addressed, you've got to make sure you address it. Yeah. Because that's what happened with Uvu. Um, it was fantastic for ages, and then exactly the same thing happened. It got to the point where they outgrew their infrastructure and it became unusable. Yeah. And to a lesser degree, Hangouts did the same thing. Um, although, admittedly, yeah, from all reports, Hangouts work flawlessly in the states and a lot of other countries where they had, where Google had a bigger <coughs> investment in technology. Yeah. Um, in Australia, they didn't really have the backbone for that, and our internet wasn't doing it any favors. But yeah. still, you know, they they've basically disappeared, and apparently they're turning that. I got an email the other day saying they're turning Google Hangouts off. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought you already had. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I was unaware that was still a thing. <laughs> I know it pops up in the bottom of my inbox on my Google all the time, but I sort of just assumed that was like the chat thing. I never realized it was still actually Hangouts. Yeah, the same. And it comes up with a link above it <laughs> saying um, it's going away. It's going to, you should convert over to whatever their new thing is. Click here, but click mm. here only goes to learn more and they tell you what's going to happen. I'm like, but you said if I click on this link that I'll do convert it over to the new system. It's like, no, it doesn't do that. It just says we're going to do that, but not yet. Oh, no, they've fixed that. Now it doesn't do anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, there's a, at least there's some progress. To solve that problem, it's just completely <laughs> broken, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, as I said, like it, I think that tends to happen. You sort of... It's like Zoom. You just see Zoom and you just forget. Oh, Google Meet. There we go. Yep. Google Meet. What if you're, um, if you're vegan? You can't even use pre it. Premium video meetings now free for everybody. We've re-engineered the service that we built for secure business meetings, Google Meet, to make it free and available for all. <laughs> Do more with Meet. <laughs> that's all. That's their entire documentation. <laughs> that's that's it. That's from the beef industry there. <laughs> You can tell that they're engineers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, just for giggles, we might have to do a meeting, a, meet, a meeting, yeah. and just see what it actually does because it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of... Um, doesn't, whoa, whoa, something went wrong here. It didn't, <laughs> did not like any of that. Break it. it doesn't look like it's uh, very happy about things. But yeah, I'd be curious to see. what. I mean, who knows? It might work fine. I mean, in theory, a Google meeting program in Chrome should be pretty flawless, right? 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, speaking of theory, Twitter. So Twitter shareholders on Tuesday formally approved Elon Musk's $44 billion takeover deal at a value of $54.20 per share based on a preliminary count. Approximately 98.6% of the shareholder vote <laughs> cast were in favor of the deal. They really want him. Does he still <laughs> the, want Twitter though? The expected vote comes about a month before the trial is set to begin to determine whether the acquisition should move forward. Musk has made it perfectly clear that he is no longer interested in owning the social media platform. <laughs> Ever since he said, no, I'm not going to bother with it, they're like, wait, wait, come back. Yes, we want you to buy it, please. <laughs> Twitter stands ready and willing to complete the merger with affiliates of Mr. Musk immediately, the company said in a statement Tuesday. Twitter continues to believe that Mr. Musk's purported termination of the merger agreement is invalid and without merit and that the uh, Musk parties continue to be bound by the merger agreement that abides and abides to complete the merger and agree terms. Hang on. Weren't you guys the ones that complained that he's the one that broke the NDA in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that technically mean he's breached the contract, therefore it's an invalid transaction? Yeah. Like, hello? saying. <laughs> the vote also came on the same day that Peter Mudge Zatko, Twitter's former chief, security officer testified before a U.S. Senate committee about the social media's platform security vulnerabilities. Earlier this year, Zatko filed a whistleblower's complaint alleging that Twitter's physical and digital security systems for protecting user privacy and moderating content suffered extreme deficiencies. Twitter's been in a state of turmoil since April when Musk said he wanted to buy the social media platform. He lined up $46.5 billion in, fran- in financing to back his unsolicited bid, relying on loans and 3 to $3.5 from his own equity. as If he's got $33.5 billion of his own equity, he didn't have any trouble getting the other $8, million, $8 billion. No. Uh, as the deal materialised, some of Twitter's top executives were pushed out of the company and others resigned. However, the eccentric billionaire businessman quickly began suggesting the deal was on hold, complaining about the number of fake accounts on the Twitter platform. Then in July, Musk said he was backing out of the deal. Twitter's board quickly responded that it was prepared to take legal action to ensure the deal closed at a price of 54.2 cents per share, as promised. Twitter filed suit against Tesla CEO, claiming he cannot back out of his commitment to acquire the company. Um, yes, you can. That's the, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Last week, Musk filed yet another letter with the SEC to argue the deal should be terminated, claiming that Zatko's 7.75 million severance package from Twitter violated the terms of the acquisition deal. <clears throat> I want to know how Twitter think that some like I could go to Twitter and say, "Hey, I'll give you fifty billion dollars for your company," and then in, they'll go, "Give me money." I'm like, "No, nah, I didn't. I wasn't not interested." Thanks. Yeah. Like, and what's going to happen? Like, <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, how do they think that they have the right to tell somebody that they have to buy us? Like you, you said it. That's it. You're going. What, what are no, we? No take backsies. Yeah, no, no, no takes. You, you an Indian giver? Are you <laughs> like I don't. What is that? How legal stuff works? <laughs> well, <laughs> probably. Well, don't you go promising <laughs> anything now, because you'll get into trouble if you say uh, that you're going to buy Twitter for fifty billion. Yeah. I'll buy twenty. I'll buy Twitter for fifty billion when Elon Musk Elon Musk gives me the money to do it. There you go. There you go. 
problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't. I, that's that's not how things work, Twitter. Like seriously, all you're doing is making it worse for yourself. And they still haven't actually fixed the problem that was the initial cause of him pulling out anyway. No, they haven't addressed that. <laughs> and it's like, well, maybe if you fix the problems that he complained about so publicly that you complained that he complained about. <laughs> You wouldn't be having these problems. Oh, jeez. Uh, That's some good news. The Sims 4 is going free-to-play starting next month. Now, this is very coincidental because just in the last week, I was thinking, I used to play The Sims quite a bit, and I haven't played it in a long time. Maybe I should look into how much it is. Well, it's going free-to-play starting next month. The game's official account tweeted earlier today to say Sims 4 will be free to download across PC, Mac and consoles on October 18th and that more updates will follow during a special summit stream which will take place on October 18th at 10am PT which works out to about um, 3am October 19th in Australia. To celebrate, the developers confirm that starting today all players who own the Sims 4 base game can redeem the Sims 4 Desert Luxe kit for free until October 17. To claim the kit, which is mostly based around the aesthetics and architecture of the deserts in the southwestern USA, all you need to do is log into the game and claim the kit through the main menu. Earlier today, Instant Gaming reported that, according to an internal source close to EA, The Sims 4 will become free to play on October 18. That news was then quietly confirmed by Origin, where the store page for The Sims 4 on EA's launcher noted that The Sims 4 will be free to play starting October 18. Over on the official four Sims 4 website, EA said that with Sims going free to play, our team is more dedicated than ever to developing new and meaningful Sims 4 experience for our players. Packs, kits and delivery express drops will continue into the foreseeable future. So wish list it now on your Steam account so you'll be ready. I already have. Get on to it, Mr. T. What's taking you so long? I'm literally doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be on... on uh, Instead of like something stupid like uh, Origin only or Epic mm. Store or something, but Steam has it on their page as well. So. I'm, I'm like, please don't make me sign up for any EA account. Then I read, oh, Steam, hang on, yeah. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be something cool. It's extra to play. Yeah, look, I. Mm, what's funny is currently, if you click on it, it's still for sale for $30. Yeah. And there's no mention anywhere. That it's going to be free. No, it's not. So you can go to the actual store page. And then... I am on the store page. It, it doesn't have it anywhere at all. It says it's going to be free. It just says you can buy it for 30 bucks, or you can buy an EA Play bundle or you can buy the full digital pack for 40 bucks, or the deluxe pack for six, 60 bucks, oh, or the wow. entire everything collection for 70 bucks. It says nothing about it going to be free in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, mine did. I was looking on the <laughs> Steam store earlier. No? The only thing it says that talks about... Um, oh, yeah, it's got a little banner right... Okay, yeah. it does. It's this little tiny banner above everything else that you can't really see. That's it. <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> <laughs> I've played Sims 4 on friends who have it, friends' computer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe I haven't played it enough to get into it, but I really couldn't <laughs> i got really into sims 2 back in the day i had like three expansion pack cds and bought a whole lot of it in a collection together 
then one of my friends stole it, so I didn't have it <laughs> anymore, so it'd be good to have something back again. Yeah, I don't know. I um, It'd be interesting. I haven't played it for that long. I, I can't really remember. I know that you can have a lot of fun with it, yep. but as far as, yeah, I don't know. We'll start, I'll find out, I guess. It be your kind of thing or not. Yeah, look, I, used, I loved some of the earlier. See, for me, The Sims was kind of... Like, I love Sim City, I love Sim Ant, I love Sim Hospital, I love Sim Coastal. Like, I loved all those. I just couldn't get into The Sims as as that style of game. Yeah. Um, don't know. Maybe maybe I might now. Maybe things have changed. I don't know, but... Well, it's free. You can try it out. And if you don't well, like it, it doesn't matter. It didn't cost yeah. nothing. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm like, I'll get it next month's Humble Bundle or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that might have happened. been where you got that Father's Frontier one from. No, no, I um, I played the demo of that um, months ago. Oh, okay. That's and I was just fanging for it to come out. <laughs> it just took a long time. It finally came out, but yeah. yeah. So. It's in early access. Just yeah, like most con- of the stuff we play, I think. <laughs> yeah, we. I was looking at, through my list the other day, and the vast majority of stuff I play on a regular basis is... is, is Technically, early access or at least um, constant development. Yep. Still, you know. So, I guess that's what makes it. You know, even going back ten years to release a game, you had to release the final polished version of the game. Yeah. Because There's for no the most release. part, there wasn't much you could do about it. Yeah. Now you can release a game that doesn't really work. And over the next however long, you can fix it. I mean, look at um, No Man's Sky. It copped such a bad rap when it came out because it was so incomplete. Yeah. Now it's an entirely different game. Like, it's Everyone so different than it was when it came out, and it's a really good game now. Um, but they released it so early, it hurt them yeah. a lot. You know, the, it's taken them a long time to get people's trust back into the game again. I was watching my daughter playing something the other day and I was like, what the heck is this game? She goes, oh, it's just something some, some guy did in his spare time for the fun of it and he released it and it suddenly became incredibly popular. Everything is like low poly, low resolution, low everything, but everybody just loved it for some reason. So he's like, oh, I guess I'll just be continuing making it into a game now. Okay. I don't know which one that was, but yeah. There's been a few like that, like... um. Uh, Teardown yep. is a good example of that. Um, it's a game that a guy built almost for one of those... Um, Jam or something? Yeah, something like that. And it ended up being so good that he continued to develop it. And <laughs> It's such a... It's a completely destroyable infrastructure that everything can be destroyed, you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's a pretty cool game. So, yeah, there's a lot of games like that that... Um, started off as little independent projects and um, another one is uh, oh, what's it called um, uh, uh, Jalopy oh, I think it's okay. called Jalopy is it? I have to look now I can't is remember that like that? Um, originally I think now it's got a fair decent developer base behind it but it started off um, from what I remember it started off as pretty 
Pretty Valheim, much Valheim was just some Valheim guy who was playing yeah. around with. You can watch the early videos on YouTube or something, and you just see this stick figure walking around and things coming around, and you know, all of a yeah. sudden it's a big game. And it's sort of actually becoming more common, I guess, because it's it's getting so easy to do that. Um, yeah, Jalopy. That was another thing. It still is a single developer game. Um, but I think part of the problem is a lot of the big games, like take Grand Theft Auto, um, GTA Five. You know, it's a very popular game, but other than a couple of garbage updates they've released for it, it effectively is exactly the same game as it was in when they come out two thousand and. 14 or something when it was released yeah like it it hasn't changed you know um and it's they've done a bit with the online stuff but nobody wants to play online because the online is so full of hackers and and griefers and griefers and bad game design and horrible connection and so nobody wants to play the online content well a lot of people want to play the online content but nobody really plays it because it's it's (laughs) You're just asking for trouble going online. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, even though it's... I mean, it's a huge game. It's... I'll have to look up and see exactly how big it is. But, um... Actually, I'll tell you. It is... Where are we? I think I bought that when I had the Xbox 360. 106 gig. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's stupid huge. Which it's an open world game, so I get that, but it just hasn't been. They're, they're, you know, they've released a couple of patches and bug fixes, but they haven't done anything with the the base game. hasn't changed. Yeah. So, and for a hundred, it's still like a hundred bucks or something to buy. Like it's not like it's a cheap game to this day. It's still quite expensive. It's crazy. Um, but they just let me have a look. Now it's currently on sale, sixty three percent off at the moment. Oh. And it's $25. Go get it, everyone. Yeah. So normally it's, what's that? 50, yeah, 70 odd bucks. <laughs> you know? It's actually, yeah, it's on sale. I didn't realize that. But, um, yeah. Uh, it's Steam is both amazing and garbage all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, there's a, a game came out that I was a beta tester in when I had Windows. And when I... It was called... Um, I can't think what it's called. I'll, I'll have to try and find it. But um, once I switched to Linux, in the beta testing phase, they wouldn't release it to me because I didn't have Windows. I could only run it through um, an emulator yep. or through you know Proton or whatever. But they didn't allow people to do that. Um because they were worried it might affect the the gameplay or affect the, the, the uh, resources of the game. Yeah. Um, and then when it came out and was released on Steam, um, it doesn't work very well under Proton because they never beta tested it. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, everybody got annoyed at them because they stopped... The initial beta test when they released it was going to be great because it was going to be native Linux support. And then they decided that they were going to drop that and just focus on Windows. And then when it came out as a full release and didn't support Linux, they're like, um, excuse me, like, 
we all literally bought this game because you were saying it was going to be a native Linux game. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, people weren't impressed up. with that. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Email us, Will or Warlock, at aussietechheads.com.au, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.